here's the question. Um, what do you do when you've messed up big style as a Christian? Uh, just as we start, I want you to have in your mind that thing that you always think, that's when I really blew it as a Christian. What is it? Um, I don't know, what is it for you? What is it that thing that you just, you know you've blown it as a Christian? You, you've done it again and again and again and you don't feel there's any way out. What is the thing that you think, yeah, that's it, I've blown it one too many times? See, what do you do when, when you've messed up like that? Um, I don't know, maybe some of you, is, you, just, you know, you've disobeyed your parents again and you know God hates it because he says you should honour your father and mother and you've done it again and you said to yourself before you wouldn't do it again, now you're a Christian. And you did it. You blew it. Or maybe for some of you, um, it's pornography. Um, you said, you know, you're a Christian and yet you, you still find yourself online looking at pornography. You did it again. You messed up. Or maybe for others of you, it's, it's going out, you're going out to a party and, and you get drunk again. And you think, I've blown it. I've blown it. What, what can I do? Or maybe you're you know, at the party and you, it's not that random person at the party again. You told yourself that you're a Christian now, you're not going to do that kind of thing. And you did it again. Or maybe it was even more than stopping it. What do you do when you've messed up big style? Now some of you may be thinking, well, I've never really messed up big style. Well, I'm going to make a guess, but most people in here probably have. And if you haven't, then you probably will do at some point. And let me um, be really honest, Um, I used to be addicted to internet pornography for a long time. And the shadow of that addiction still affects me today. Messed up big style again and again and again. And so what do you do? Um, When you do mess up, you just feel terrible. Lots of you all know that. Uh, You feel lost. Uh, You feel dirty, unclean. You you feel there's no way out. You feel, at least I felt, I felt broken. And I could see no way out, no, nothing to change me. Like, that's it. Blown it. And see, that's exactly what Micah is talking about in his book, isn't it? Again and again, the people blow it. They mess up. Big style. Just look at verse 8. Um, look at the, the ways he sort of describes them. He says, don't gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I'll rise. I sit in darkness. And verse 9, I've sinned against him, God, and I bear the Lord's wrath. Do you see how he describes his situation and the situation of the people because they've messed up again and again. He says, fallen in darkness, sinned against God, bearing his wrath, bearing God's anger. That's, that's where they are. They've messed up. And I guess that's a feeling that most of us can identify with. We've been there. And if you haven't, you probably will at some point. And so the question is, what do you do? Because when you mess up like that, you feel ashamed, don't you? And you feel under a great weight. You feel a fraud. At least that's how I felt and still do when I mess up. And so what do you do when you messed up big time? And I reckon there's a few options. This is what people tend to do. Option one, you're tempted to call bad good and good bad. You're to say, actually, it's not really bad at all. It's all right. Um, so when you go on internet, you think, actually, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. I'm just you know, doing some research for the future. Or, or maybe yeah, you think you're someone who goes to parties and you get drunk and say, oh, I'm just meeting my friends where they're at. It's a good thing. It's good I'm there. It's good that I'm drunk with them. They know, they know I'm, Christians are cool. Or maybe you, you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend and you've gone too far and you think, well, I'm going to marry them in the end. So it's not bad, really. 
And that's option one, isn't it? It's to pretend it's not really bad. Um, but I reckon that doesn't really work because even if you say it's not bad, you still feel guilty. So you know it's bad, really. You can't really convince yourself of that. What about option two? Option two is quite a common one. You're tempted to give up. You think God can't possibly accept you anymore. Um, you're not acting like a Christian. And maybe you think, actually, I don't want to make God look bad anymore. I'm just going to give up. God can't possibly accept someone who's messed up as many times as I have. Um, there's no hope now. God's not going to accept you anymore. And if that's your option, that's pretty depressing, isn't it? But it's an option many people take. They think, I've messed up so many times, I can't possibly be a Christian anymore. I can't possibly know God. He won't want anything to do with me. What about temptation free? Is the third way of trying to deal with when you messed up. You try to work your way back into God's good books. Uh, so you mess up. This is how I classically deal with my failure, actually. This is the one I'm most tempted to do. I, I mess up, but then I think, okay, I can't possibly talk to God now until I've had like, a week of not doing this bad thing. And that's what it's like when I was addicted to internet. I, thought, I can't know God now until I have a whole week of not watching any or looking at any. But I was addicted, so it never happened. A week never lasted for a long time. So I didn't know God. I just felt I couldn't go anywhere near him until I was good enough. You see, they're, they're the three options. But I'm going to suggest there's a third way. A fourth way, even, sorry. That's for almost a fourth way. Is there another one? See, I reckon there's this fourth way that, that shows sin is still bad and terrible, and yet I can still come to God, even when I've messed up in a massive way. Um, just look at, at verse 7. Now, this is what Micah says. Uh, someone who has fallen in the dark, sinned against God, bearing the Lord's wrath. He says, as for me... Verse 7, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Saviour. My God will hear me. This is what I'm going to call bold brokenness or gutsy guilt. Okay? He's a fallen person. He's a fallen person. He, he's in the dark. He's messed up. He's a sinner. He knows all that. He's experiencing God's anger, he says. And yet he hopes in the Lord. And even better than that, look what he says again. My God will hear me. He understands that despite his brokenness, despite how he messed up massive, he's still got a God who will hear his prayer. And I think this is just massively different, isn't it, to how we're so tempted to respond. He doesn't pretend nothing's happened. He says he's fallen in the dark. He says he's a sinner. He accepts what he is and what he's done. But he doesn't give up and think God won't want anything to do with him. He boldly claims that the same God he has sinned against is this God who will hear him when he talks to him. He doesn't try to earn his way back into God's book books. He throws himself on God, if you like. He is bold in his brokenness to still approach God as his God. Why? Why, is he, why does he do that? Because we're so tempted to do these other things, aren't we? What is it that Micah knows that perhaps we don't? What is it that he understands that we need to understand? Well, I think it's that he knows what his God is like. He knows what his God is like. That will allow you to be bold even when you've messed up. Bold in your brokenness, gutsy in your guilt. Because I reckon how you respond when you mess up reflects what you really think God is like. Okay? So let's take, for example, um, let's imagine your option is to pretend that actually what he did wasn't really bad at all. 
Well, what kind of God does that leave you with? Well, it leaves you really with kind of a great old granddad who never tells you off, who sweeps bad things under the carpet like they never happened. And you think that God, he, he delights to pretend that nothing bad is going on in the world and that you never do anything wrong, which is like most granddads, isn't it? They don't want to hear anything bad. They're all about the good, aren't they? Um, well, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God who's really there. That's a God you've made up. It's not what he's like. Um, that God is weak, powerless, and unjust. It's not the God of the Bible. Um, so if you respond to that, you're misunderstanding what God's like. What about that second option? Um, thinking that God won't accept you anymore. Well, what kind of God does that really leave you with? Well, it basically leaves you with, with a God who you think is some kind of demanding judge who delights in punishing people. That's the God you're left with. It's kind of one strike and you're out. There's no kindness in this God. He's vindictive and there's no hope. That's, that's what you're saying. When you respond like that, when you mess up, you're saying, that's what I think God is like. There's no more hope. Well, that's not the God of the Bible. He's kind. He's gracious. He's compassionate. What about the third way people try? This is my way. This is the way I classically try to do it. Good deeds. This is the way I try to... This, this, this is what it reflects about what I think about God. I think God is like a hard taskmaster who loves to collect his debts. That's a picture of a real-life debt collector, apparently. Um, if, I, if I think that I've got to earn my way back into God's good books, what I'm saying is that, that God won't like me until I've paid back everything I owe him. He's like a stingy bank manager, like a Scrooge kind of figure in the sky. A God who delights in exacting exactly uh, what we owe him. A God who is only kind to us when we're kind to him. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's not what God is really like. What about the God of bold brokenness? Now, what's he really like? Well, this is a God who actually wants you in a relationship with you, isn't it? A God who wants to know you in your good and your bad. A God who is more broken-hearted than you are over your sin. A God who hates sin, not just because it's wrong, but because it hurts us and it breaks our relationship with him. Uh, it's a God who will forgive and restore. A God who delights to show mercy. See, how you respond when you mess up shows what you think God is actually like. And so we should respond to our messing up with bold brokenness because of what our God is like. Bold brokenness because of who God is. Just look at verse 18. This is a description of what our God is really like. Look at it, verse 18. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry for long, forever but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You'll be true to Jacob and show mercy to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our fathers in days long ago. This is what God is like. And did you notice what he delights in? Did you see? This is, this is what God finds pleasure in. Verse 18, he delights to show mercy. He delights to show unfailing love. That means the God who is really there, he loves to pardon and forgive sin. 
even the massive sin when you've messed up and you think it's too much. It is his pleasure and his joy to show mercy and to forgive it. Now, I find great pleasure, um, this is what picture depicts. Um, most Fridays, I have the pleasure, I love walking up, uh, up the valley past Forge Lamb. Sometimes I stop for a bacon sandwich, not always. I'm trying to watch my way at the moment. I walk all the way up to Five Power Station Point, one of my favourite points in, in this local area. And I get to see all the power stations. And I normally take a flask with me on my jolly walk. I'm listening to Tim Keller, who's my favourite preacher, and all the way up on the walk. And I get to the top, I have my coffee, I have my flask in a Yorkie bar. And I absolutely love it. It's, it's honestly one of the greatest joys. And you know, because it's my pleasure, I do it nearly every week, nearly every Friday. Because what you enjoy, you do again and again and again, don't you? Well, think about it. If this is what God loves, this is his delight, his pleasure, then God delights, is his pleasure to forgive again and again and again. He delights in pardoning sin and forgiving it. Even the massive stuff. And he's faithful in this. He keeps his promise. Just look at verse 20. He says, You will be true to Jacob and show mercy to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our fathers in days long ago. Our God has promised to do what he delights to do. He's promised to be faithful to this promise of forgiving and pardoning sin. So that's why we can be bold and broken. (coughs) Gutsy with our guilt because we have an amazing God who delights to show mercy. When we mess up and we will and we do remember what your God is like. He is kind. He's compassionate. He delights to show mercy. He forgives. And so when you mess up come to him boldly in prayer knowing he loves to forgive you. Asking him for help to change. Come to him in prayer, broken, knowing he hates sin and yet he's promised to forgive you. God loves it when his children come to him for forgiveness. So approach him with guilt, knowing your guilt, but knowing his kindness. Bold yet broken because of who he is. As I just want you just by yourself, and um, to bring that thing that you had in your head right at the start, before God now, and say sorry for it, and ask him to show you mercy, um, to do what he loves to do, to forgive it, and praise him for it, praise him that he's forgiven it. So just a, a couple of minutes, just in your own head, uh, bring that thing you had in your mind at the start, bring it before God, give it to him, ask him to forgive it, and enjoy that forgiveness, uh, just by yourselves, just for a minute or two. Just look at verse 15. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders, he says. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Um, God's people have always known that God is not just um, incredible in theory, but awesome in reality because of what he's done for them in the past. And so we can be bold and broken, not just because of who God is, but because of what he's done. He's proved who he is and what he's like in his actions. So he talks about in the days of Egypt, he's shown this delight to show mercy in real deeds and real actions. He did it in Egypt. Now, I guess many of you probably know this story, but he showed his unfailing love. He showed his pleasure in pardoning and forgiving sin. 
Um, the rescue from Egypt proves it. You remember his people were slaves in Egypt? Slaves. Horrible position to be in. And what did he do? God sent the plagues. Ten of them. And they sent the Passover. The Passover lamb would be killed so that the firstborn child could be given life. And he parted the sea and he crushed all God's people's enemies in one day. And then as his people, he rescued them. And what did they do? They moaned again and again about not having enough food and drink. And what did they do? He provided and he forgave them again and again and again. He provided for them every day. And in verse 15, he said, look, I'm going to do that kind of thing again. It's going to be another Exodus Egypt type event. It's going to be another great rescue in the future for Micah, but it's in the past for us, where God removes sin. He treads them underfoot. He hurls them all to the depths of the sea so they no longer count against us. And we know where this happens. This happens in Jesus, doesn't it? It happens in Jesus. See, what does Jesus do? He rescues us from slavery, slavery to sin. His blood means that we can have life, which he sheds for us on the cross. Our sin is given to him. He carries it to the cross for us and is so far removed from us that it's like it's been hurled to the depths of the sea. His death is enough to cover all of it, even the massive stuff that you think he can't. He has. So you know you can be bold and broken. You can be gutsy in your guilt. You can still approach God even when you've messed up because Jesus has covered it. He really has. God really does delight to show mercy, unfailing love, and pardon our forgiving our sin because he's shown that to us in Jesus. In reality. So I reckon here's what happens when we mess up um, big time. Just look at verse 9. It's a little picture of the gospel here. Mike says, Because I've sinned against him, against God, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and establishes my right He will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. And Micah here, he said, I feel broken, unworthy, unclean, unacceptable, sinner. And yet what happens on the cross? He says about here, bearing the Lord's wrath, bearing God's anger. Well, what happens at the cross? Jesus bears God's right anger at our sin for us. That's what's going on. He takes it all. Takes it all. And so we can approach God boldly because Jesus has dealt with God's anger and my sin. Romans 8 1 says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no judgment upon us anymore. And three days after he died, he rose again, didn't he? He rose from the dead and then he ascended into heaven and he's seated at God's right hand. And what does Jesus do there at the right hand of God the Father? He pleads our case. He establishes our right, our right to be God's children because of what he's done for us on the cross. He brings us from the darkness of our sin into the glorious light of God's forgiveness. His righteousness, his right, perfect life becomes our life. And so God looks at us and sees perfect children of his. And so Jesus' father is our father. So even our massive sin, our messing up, Jesus has bore the wrath, pleaded our case, declared us right with God, and making God our Father. And so the question is, how are you going to respond? 
How are you going to respond next time you mess up? Are you going to pretend it's not really that bad? No, come on. It is. And God hates sin. Get rid of that one. And next time you mess up, are you going to think that, that God won't accept you anymore? Well, not the God we've seen this morning. Of course he will. He delights to show you mercy. He's shown that in his son. So don't do that. Or are you going to try and work your way back into God's good books by being good? Remember, Jesus has done it all. It's not about you being good. It's about him delighting in showing mercy and forgiving you. So don't do that either. Next time you mess up, big or small, and we all will and we all do, boldly come before your heavenly Father in prayer, asking for forgiveness, enjoying that which he offers, and asking him to change it. That's what we're to do. Verse 18, that's why we've been learning it. Look at verse 18. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance, you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion as you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's the God who is there. So when you mess up, come to him because of who he is and what he's done for you in Jesus. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that staggeringly we can call you our Father despite all we've done and all we continue to do. I thank you that you delight to show mercy, that you love to forgive, and I thank you that you have shown us that you've done it in Jesus. I say, Father, I pray for each of us here that when we mess up, we would not run from you, but run to you in our guilt and brokenness, knowing that you forgive and still love us. And so we ask that you would change our, our opinion on what you're like and that we would respond in that way in future. And we ask for your help in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to spend a little bit of time um, looking at some verses in the New Testament.